Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. What's up, Montana? Happy Monday. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Not quite so hot, which is a welcome change, but still pretty toasty out there. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Nuanas Now, we're broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsports Studios here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Go check out Northwest Motorsport online, nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. Mr. Thing in the first hour of the show, Brooks Nuanas swung by. We talked about Caden Hewitt, the uh, Helen High quarterback who is officially committed to the Montana Grizzlies. What's that mean for the in-state recruiting battle? He is the top recruit in the state and one of the first verbal commitments for either Montana or Montana State. Broke that down, also talked some NBA Finals, and Chad Dundas has been in studio with me ever since. Took some dedication to get over here. He had a flat tire, so he jumped in the Uber. We're trying to have as much fun as possible, make it worth his time for coming on over. But a big UFC fight over the weekend. Uh, the lead story, Conor McGregor, suffering a lower leg fracture that cost him uh, his title fight and uh, then set the world of Twitter on fire, basically. And so, Chad, I have a couple more questions. By the way, if you missed anything in the first hour, you can find it on the podcast, which is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, Sports Bet Montana, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. I have a couple more McGregor questions. First and foremost, my main question is, why? Why is he so uh, popular is not even the right word, because I, don't, I think he's actually more hated than he is liked, but he's so famous. Why, though? What has Conor McGregor done to get to this point? Well, he's always been, 
I think I said at the very beginning, a very unique personality, a very kind of like standout personality. And like, you know, when that happens in sports, you just Mm -hmm. get a person who comes along and they seem different. And it's always been that way with Conor McGregor. He's always been very poised. He's always been very confident. Uh, They called him Mystic Mac for a while at the beginning of his UFC career because he was kind of predicting his wins and calling his shots. Uh, It doesn't hurt to be Irish and you say everything in that brogue that kind of makes you sound a little bit more debonair and smarter than uh, some people that don't have that accent. It's so fascinating to me. Why do Irish guys get away with the smack talking more? It, it, the accent adds to the harshness of the smack talking, but also gives it like this colloquial feel where it's like part of the pub that he came out of or something like that. Right. He's almost like uh, a stereotype in a way, right? For like sure. He's the fighting Irishman. And then once, For he, sure. once he got kind of famous and got enough money, he adopted this, as I just said to you during the break, Ric Flair style kind of like professional wrestling persona where he was all about uh, having the money and he's always got the nice suits and he's got his own... Uh, men's apparel brand and diamond rings, alligator shoes, right. just like yeah, Ric Flair. Yeah, flying around in private jets, hanging around on his yacht, and like people just gravitated to that uh, for whatever reason. Um, and then, like, like I said, like in the last few years, as he stopped being quite as dominant in the cage, like I think a lot of it kind of started to wear a little thin, especially in the trash talk department. Where McGregor, his whole career, he's always said a bunch of stuff that walked right up to the line of being incredibly offensive, and sometimes way over that line. Uh, leading up to the Mayweather fight, those guys both did a bunch of trash talk that that was, uh, you know. Uh, pretty off color and I think turned some people off. And so if you're still doing that and you're making these kind of like uh, half-assed excuses and you're losing, I think people look at that differently than if you're winning all your fights. Are you a professional wrestling guy? Have we talked about this? Yeah, like I I was a big fan when I was a kid and yeah. all the way up through uh, the Attitude Era of the uh-huh, 90s, like uh-huh. not so much today. It's... it's the... the uh, a lot of the product is a little bit hard to watch for me, but definitely as a kid, and I'm super in- interested in the history of that. And like pro wrestling and MMA have always been entwined in a way that right. MMA does not want to acknowledge, but is 100% true. Even going back as, as far as to share some of the same an- ancestorship, you know, especially in America in the 1800s, like submission wrestling and real actual legitimate professional wrestling competition was a big sport. Yes. And so you had all of this kind of like not only athletic competition, but also the promotional element of it. Uh, and and that seed birthed both what we think of today as professional wrestling, this kind of like scripted vaudeville act, but it also birthed like submission wrestling right. in America. And so MMA and professional wrestling are kind of like first cousins in a way that MMA does not want to acknowledge most of the time. Chad Dennis joining me, Coulter Nuanas here on Nuanas Now. And I've thought about this for a long time. The entry point to combat sport is only going to attract a certain number of viewers because you have to either understand and appreciate the technical nature of the sport or you have to just really love violence. But for people that don't understand the actual sweet science of boxing or the technical nature of MMA and all they see is the fight, if they don't like the blood and the violence, then they don't like the sport because they don't get the sport and the violence can be at times overwhelming. Yeah. What does professional wrestling, which I'm not comparing to boxing or MMA in its violence um, intricately, but maybe broadly, but the thing that professional wrestling has is they give the viewer a reason why 
that everybody is fighting. And I think that that somebody that it became then a journalist and an author like yourself, very unsurprised that you loved pro wrestling in the era that we grew up. I think you're a handful of years older than me, but if you grew up in that era where, you know, the the, the WWF and its rise in the 80s and then into the 90s when, you know, it was must-watch TV a couple nights a week. The characters were so great. The, the Hulk Hogan's and the Undertaker's and all these guys. But... We loved it because of the story more than anything else. The dichotomy of good and evil, the character development. It's, it's, it's like my mom used to always say. It's almost like a soap opera for men because <laughs> of all the drama and the storylines. But it's also why they were able to sell. I mean, there's so many people in the world that know who Randy Savage is who maybe don't know who uh, Shane Mosley is. You know what I mean? And right. so uh, th- I, I guess that brings me full circle to this. Conor McGregor seems so much, it's a great parallel, like you say, that he stole a lot of Ric Flair's stuff, and Ric Flair stole a lot of uh, Pretty Boy George's stuff, and and it, it, the the showmanship element of it is so important. But you just wonder if, I don't think, the U, obviously the UFC is never going to go down the wrestling route of choreographing the results or you know rigging outcomes, but I do think that from a marketing perspective, they would be well served to have more Conor McGregor's. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's the personalities and the storylines that really sell the fights. That's one of the reasons why Conor McGregor's uh, celebrity and drawing power endures, even though he's lost a bunch of his most recent fights. Like, for whatever reason, casual audiences don't really want to tune in to see the best fighters. They want to tune in to see the best personalities. I Nate Diaz has gotten whipped on the in the in on the main card multiple times in a row, and people still want to watch him. Yeah, I mean, I could rattle off a list to you of the technical best MMA fighters in the world, and like probably wouldn't have heard of a lot of them. Be- just, For sure. Just because they, they, they're not famous. The people who really move the needle in terms of like getting people to plunk down money to pay to watch them fight are the people who get the other aspect of the sport, which is the promotion. And so, and especially because in combat sports, you get paid differently than how you get paid in other sports. If you want to watch the Super Bowl, it's free. It's on TV. If you right. want to watch Conor McGregor fight, it costs 70 bucks. Right. So you you got to sell yourself. You have to sell a personality and you have to sell like a promotional element that will get people to, to buy into what you're doing. And that is at its very essence going to make the, both the competition and how combat sports is marketed and sold different than other sports because they're asking you to pay extra money for it. And it's always been that way and probably always will be. Text from a a loyal listener saying Conor McGregor is an enigma and that is one of the reasons why he is such a draw. I actually agree with that because I do think that some people like the stick, a lot of people don't like the stick, but people are still paying and tuning in to watch the stick. So uh, we'll see how long it lasts. I do think that it's, it's finite in the fact that I don't think you can continue to lose on the main card um, and still get the draw that you had. One more uh, UFC question for you, Chad. Chad Dundas joining me. Coulter Nuanas here in studio. Nuanas now. What? First of all, I guess I have two more questions, actually. First of all, Sugar Shane O'Malley, what would you think of that fight? A good bounce back for him, right? Because he was this rising star. Then he kind of got tagged a little bit in his one of his first big showcases and then uh, a good win for him over the weekend. Yeah, Helena native, Sean O'Malley. So I get, we got to talk about him on the Montana show, right? That's right. right. Uh, he's, Sean O'Malley is a bantamweight fighter in the UFC uh, who the, I think the promotion is pretty high on, thinks he has some potential to be uh, you know, a decent-sized star within the MMA hardcore fan bubble. Uh, he, they've been bringing him along kind of slowly in terms of the level of competition. He's 14-1 and one overall at this point. He had lost to Marlon Vera. 
back in 2020. And so the, he has had a couple of fights that were kind of like uh, comeback fights for him or, or fights that, that they wanted to kind of rehabilitate his image. This one on Saturday was supposed to be against Louis Smolka, who's a, a good fighter in his own right and probably would have been a good test for Sean O'Malley. Unfortunately, uh, Smolka got injured in June. They had to go out and find a replacement fighter for him, and it took them a while to do that. They ended up coming up uh, with Chris Motinho, who was a guy who came in uh, from the East Coast and not really somebody anybody had had heard of on the top level before. Uh, and he and O'Malley ended up having, like, not a uh, competitive fight, but a much longer fight than I think people expected. And Motinho just, like, walked through all of O'Malley's offense uh, like it was nothing and just, like, kept uh, pressuring him and attacking him. But ultimately, the fight did get stopped in the in the final round, 27 seconds before it was supposed to be over. And I think it was a good performance for Sean O'Malley. Like, he set, I think, a UFC record for uh, accuracy, like, landed a... Mm-hmm. Uh, such a high percentage of his strikes that it was a record. And the kid is just super talented, man. He, he's sky's the limit, I think, for what he's able to get done inside the cage. Now, this kind of win isn't going to really silence any of his critics who all say he hasn't really fought anybody yet. And I think that there's something to that. But, like, he's a young guy. He's just getting started in the sport. There really is no reason to rush him at all. Like, they might as well let him develop uh, and, and see how good he can get. I think he can be very, very good. Who do you compare him to? Because stylistically, he is... I don't really have a direct comparison. Yeah. He's got a very flashy, striking style. Which is which is interesting. The fact that he has such great accuracy while being flashy is why I, th- I think that's what makes him unique to me. Yeah. You know, he, you can see little bits and pieces, I think, of other people. Like, he does use kind of like a wide open, more of a karate stance at times, which does look a little bit like... Conor McGregor or some of the other standard sure. fighters that we've seen. Uh, he looks a little bit like Israel Adesanya at times, the middleweight champion who is uh, uh, an astounding striker. But he's 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 very interesting to watch. He's got a really aggressive style, uh, a lot of kind of flashy big movement stuff that he does, spinning attacks and things like that that, that make him pretty dangerous. Uh, and if he can put that together and continue to win fights and continue to finish people in ways that, that end up on highlights, I think he's going to be pretty a pretty significant star for them. So I just think like a guy like Israel Adesanya to me is so much more appealing to watch than Conor McGregor. I feel like if he just started acting crazy, <laughs> it would like help him. I don't know. I'm so torn on this whole thing that you, I guess I'm torn on the, the, the phenomenon in sports now where if you become a breakout character, which is easier to do as someone that's hated than someone that's liked, then that can overwhelm that, that it can add to your popularity and overwhelm your popularity being tied to your performance. Do, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, I think that's a frustrating phenomenon when you've lived your life watching sports and rooting for sports based on merit and accomplishment, not just being a you know <laughs> a bunch of words I can't say. Right? No, it bothers me sometimes in terms of combat sports. Just like as a fan, the fights that I want to see based largely around competition, sometimes don't get made. But the thing you just have to repeat over and over to yourself is that everyone just wants to make as most the mo- as much money as right. possible, the most right. possible money. Right. And that's why all of those decisions get made. So it's just like it's a different economy in a way. Uh, and like to speak to your question, yeah, it would probably be better for business and for a lot of fighters if they yeah. were more sort of like over the top characters like Conor McGregor but I think it's harder than people think it is to do that. Not everybody has the charisma just like the sort of natural charisma to pull it off. Not right. everybody can think quickly enough on their feet to like make their trash talk good enough to do it. 
And once you go down that road, there's really no coming back. For sure. You kind of got to be that person all the time. Look at Muhammad Ali, man. And with Conor McGregor, I think you can make the argument that his persona, which was probably, you know, his own personality turned up to 11, kind of overtook his actual life right. at this point. Or just totally changed his actual life. So now he is this sort of like swaggering multimillionaire with a private jet and a yacht. And like... That's not where he started. The guy was an apprentice plumber from, from <laughs> Dublin. Like, decided to become a fighter. But, like, once you go down that road of being a, a promotable personality of a character, yeah. you almost can't reel it in. You get eaten alive. And some people aren't willing, I think with good reason, to, like, make that make that choice, to make that move. Well, I th- and I think that's the, the whole point that I was trying to get at is that... When you make that move, I believe that your time atop the sport is finite because distractions, It's I think it's the number one sport in the world. I think combat sports, whether it's UFC, MMA, boxing, it's the number one sport where if you let distractions get in your way, you're going to get beat. And I think that that's, that's the thing that, that Conor McGregor is going to go through. Last question for you here then on, on this. Chad Dundas joining me, Coulter Nuanas. It's Nuanas now on 1029 ESPN Missoula as well as SWX Montana Television. Oftentimes it seems to me that guys are their best at fighting before they become a champion or right when they become a champion, and it's very hard for you to be the best in your weight class or in the UFC after you become a champion because you've you've had to grind to get to that point. But also it seems to me because of these distractive uh, circumstances, as soon as you do, I guess as soon as you're not as hungry as you need to be, that's why Poirier is so impressive because he seems to remain so hungry even though he's had a lot of success. But it seems as if as soon as you, as you lose the hunger, everybody's coming for you. There's going to be another hungry guy that's going to take it from you. So is it possible to have a champion that could reign for a long time that's also then a marketable guy? Because I do think that they've been, there's been a couple guys that have had a little reigns, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva, but even those guys didn't re- attain the, the level of pop culture fan like a Conor McGregor. So is it possible to have all of those things sort of coalesce and, and have a, a champion that also has breakout star power? Yeah, George St. Pierre is probably the best example. And I think the reason that he is regarded as either one of, or I think, the greatest mixed martial artist of all time is that he performed at such a high level for such a long period of time and fought all of the other best fighters in the world in his weight class and beat them, for the most part, over such a long period of time. And also, like, never got in trouble, was never a headache, was never got arrested. He was just a very uh, solid, in some ways, kind of like an offbeat guy, but, like, just was so good over a long period of time. And, like, even George St. Pierre said it kind of drove him crazy at the end of his career. He just said, like, walking the razor of being the UFC welterweight champion for so many years and always having to be so good and basically always having to be in the gym kind of made him crazy. And then, like, he walked away for for a time, came back, actually won the middleweight title, which was, like, another extraordinary accomplishment for him, and now has retired... And seems to be like the happiest person in the world. Like he's just having a great time. He's kind of an actor. He was in uh, one of those new Marvel series, mm-hmm. uh, and so he's he seems he seems great. But like I said, it's so it's there's so many ways to lose. It's such a nuanced and different sport that it's very hard to remain at the at the top level uh, over a long period of time. And I think that you made a great point. It's also very grueling, and so you have to not only remain sharp and continue to improve, but you also kind of have to love it, or else someone else is going to catch you and pass you. As soon as you, this is why this is why it's such a phenomenal sport to me. It's why track and field and and combat sports stand alone in my mind in the element of. 
as soon as you're not as sharp as you possibly... You can win an NBA championship when you're Willis Reed playing on one leg. You can limp your way to... Uh, a championship in every sport, even football, which is so physical. We've seen, you know, John Elway get, fo- I mean, he was, John Elway was a fine player by the time he was getting his two rings, but he was not the John Elway of 1987 when he was the best quarterback in the league, yet he still gets a couple rings. You, you, you'd be hard pressed, if not impossible, to find somebody that could win a gold medal in the 100 meter dash at the Olympics or a guy that could win a title fight in the UFC unless you are as sharp as you can be. And if you, if your sword ever is dulled at all, Somebody else is coming for you. That's why I think it's one of the greatest sports in the world. Yeah, and sometimes I try to describe to people how hard it is and like the level of physical shape that you have to be in. And one right. of the ways like you can't just be in ninety eight percent shape. Like you have to be a hundred percent for a title fight. Right. One of the ways I like to describe it to people is that in other sports you can get tired. Like if you just like decide, hey man, I'm going to go out and run a marathon. You go out and run a marathon. It's okay for you to get tired. Sure. You can drag yourself across the finish line by your lips if you have to. Right. You still finish the marathon. Hey right. man, great job. Right. You finished. Right. In MMA, you're not allowed to get tired. You are not allowed to look tired. You're not allowed to act tired. You're not really allowed to actually be tired because if you are, there's another person in there who's <laughs> going to see that and is going to be like, oh, this guy's tired. And then they're going to try twice as hard to physically hurt you. So like you have to be in this kind of shape where if you are in a championship fight, you go five, five minute rounds, 25 minutes, and you're not really allowed to slow down or get tired or look tired, which is, is it's... It's unbelievably hard. Me- meanwhile, you're getting hit in the face. Your adrenaline is shooting through your whole body. The level of mental and physical control you have to have, I don't think that the common person understands. It's absolutely phenomenal. More talk about this as well as Otani's big upcoming next two days and some perspective on name, image, and likeness. All that and more. Chad Dundas on Nuanas now with me, Coulter Nuanas. Keep it right here at ESPN Missoula. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television, all the way around the great state of Montana. I'm Coulter Nuanas, broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, located at the corner of Stevens and Mount here in Missoula. They're new here to town, but they boast the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. Go check them out live and in person or go to nwmsrocks.com. Chad Dundas joining me, Coulter Nuanas, in studio. And a lot of different things to get to. First and foremost, though, Chad, I, uh, I've been trying to build up this business, Skyline Sports, for a long time. also been trying to uh, intertwine the enterprise with he- us, us here at Missoula Broadcasting Company as well. And so I have uh, not lived the roommate-free life in uh, 
in years, honestly. And part of that was living with my brother and then his girlfriend who became his wife and then became the mother of his children. So that's all good, living with family, whatever. But I'm now embarking on a new horizon. I'm 34 years old and I'm living uh, in a home without a roommate for the first time in a long time. So I'm taking suggestions from everybody around the world. What? So first and foremost, you as a sports media guy, a guy that loves watching sports, you understand the essential nature of having your uh, viewing locked in, whether it's the TV or how you do it. How do you do the TV? Because I, my, my roommate who just moved out, he had a gorgeous TV, but also the surround sound hooked up, all of it. But I, he's a tech guy. I mean, he's an IT guy, so I just let him do the whole thing. So I don't even know what we had. I don't even know what I lost. <laughs> now I'm trying to figure out, well, how am I going to watch anything? <laughs> so where, show me the way. What do I need for my viewing experience? Well, I think in some ways you're asking the wrong guy. Okay. Because my first order of business with how I do the TV at my house is I got to get my kids to stop watching it. That's the first thing. <laughs> yes. Chad has uh, several young children. I got three kids. So if we're not watching Luca or Ray and the Last Dragon or something on Disney Plus, then maybe, you know, I will, I could watch something. <laughs> right. So a lot of my television watching goes down late at night. Uh, we have like a reasonably sized TV. We actually just pretty recently got a new TV for the first time in a really, really long time. Uh, and I got the, uh, the Roku kind of like built in. See, I'm probably behind you in technology. I just got rid of my streaming box. It's all now built into the television. But it's like, we have these three young children. We don't need like a really high-end setup. Sure, right. Someone is going to throw a ball at it <laughs> at some point. So we just, we have a TV that works. It's nice. It looks good. I'm happy during the, you know, half hour I get to watch television or whatever. Not, not that I want to sit here and plug or, or dis, uh, discredit any sort of service, whether it's cable or dish or whatever you might have, but uh, uh, there's this whole narrative amongst um, you know young people, Generation X and, and Millennials and all these people under the age of 50, cord cutting, all this stuff, but I do, there's a certain element of me that wants to just have the cable guy come in and put it in, and I know it's expensive, but like he's going to put it in and he set it up for me, and I can have my DVR, and I can record my Grizz and my Bobcat games, and I don't have to be mad because I can't figure out how to set it up, so I don't really know. Why uh, would you do that? <laughs> that is such a stupid, you, inefficient you, use of money that you do not have. <laughs> Tommy for the win. Well, I want. Well, you want to come over to my house, Tommy, and set this up? Dude, let me tell you what you need. A projector and a blank wall and then a Bluetooth speaker. Then you're not confined to the living room. You go cook some food, boom, you're still listening to TV. Uh-huh, Hitting uh-huh. up the throne, boom, not missing a single thing. <laughs> Oh, man. But then that would give away my dirty little secret, so I can't do that. And that would be that, you know, I, I watch sports a lot, but I actually probably watch sports less than a lot of people that listen to this show. I read about sports voraciously. That's why I know about sports. Uh, but the actual viewing, you know, there's some must-see events for me, but also I like to uh, spend my life in the great outdoors of Montana quite often as well. So who knows? Okay, Tommy, I'm going to continue to pick your brain. Chad, what else do I need, though? I, I I guess my other big question is, where am I going with the grill? Should I go with a charcoal grill, a, a gas grill, a flat iron grill, a Traeger, a, you know, a smoker, whatever it might be? What What is your go-to? Well, we have a gas grill. I like it. It gets the job done. Like, clearly, the, uh, the high-end grilling aficionado would probably tell you you need to do the whole thing with the briquettes and yeah, yeah, yeah. throw some cedar chips in there or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, for me, again, like, my time is so limited, I got to get in, get it done. Like, yeah, I need right, to grill right, the food, right. get it off, eat it, give it to my children, then eat what they don't eat. Uh, <laughs> 
So I, I can't be out there constructing a pyramid of charcoal and, you know, letting it steep. For th- I can't have one of those metal chimney things and then, like, letting it steep for a half an hour. It's No. I got to go out there, push the button, throw the meat on, pull it off. Yeah, I, I guess I'm. I guess I'm sort of uh, subconsciously bragging about my freedom to you right now. It sounds right? like what I'm saying. Is you're telling me. You're asking me what you need, and I'm like, and I keep saying, uh, enjoy your time. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Chad Dundas joining me, Coulter Nuanas here in studio. We talked a whole bunch about MMA and combat sports in general, uh, but Chad, I was thinking about this notion the other day, and I want to just bring this premise up to you. I, I talked to my brother about this a little bit off the top of the show, too, but I find it a fascinating one. Uh, throughout the sporting world, we have seen some uh, anomalies before in terms of people that have had unbelievable longevity. I mean, Nolan Ryan, that, that's just, that's just uh, a gift for him to be able to play his 27 seasons. This wasn't because of some crazy technique that he was taking care of his arm with. I mean, this guy was throwing 97 miles per hour when he's in his 40s. He's throwing no hitters when he's a you know a, a the age of a middle aged man. And so uh, that's sort of an anomaly. Bruce Matthews, sort of an anomaly. But we've seen now this rise of athletes over the last 20 to 25 years that really took the art of taking care of their body seriously, like a science. Uh, you know, Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, Serena Williams come to mind, uh, LeBron James, uh, Albert Pujols to a certain extent, uh, and then, of course, Tom Brady. And Phil Mickelson is another one. I don't necessarily know if this is a uh, personal caretaking thing as much as Phil just sort of came full circle. The, you were talking about persona versus personality versus person. Phil Mickelson actually was a, uh, an All-American dad from when he was like 30 years old on, and now that he actually is an All-American dad, it sort of helped him become have this massive resurgence. But regardless... We, we're sort of seeing now the the first chapter of these elite athletes sort of come to a close. Do you imagine we could ever see anything like that in, in a combat sport, or is injury and uh, sort of the, the sharp edge that we were talking about uh, earlier on uh, so profound that you're not going to really ever see a LeBron James of UFC, so to speak? Uh, I mean, it's a different sport to, to such an extent that... I- you know, people do have long and productive and healthy careers, but I think a lot of people just kind of want to get in, make the money that they can make and get out. Like, right. And that's honestly probably the smartest way to go about it. Like you talk about the the longevity of athletes and, you know, Nolan Ryan or LeBron James, it's a different story if you are a boxer or an MMA fighter mm-hmm. and you do it for 20 years. Like, right. You're probably not going to get to enjoy a lot of that life that comes after that just because you sacrifice so much of your physical well-being to compete in the sport and make the money that you make uh, during your prime. Uh, I mean, th- that said, this like sports medicine has come so far, sure. and now there are uh, so many different ongoing scientific discoveries, sort of like about the science of the brain and like maybe how to treat some of those long-term. Uh, repetitive impact maladies that these guys suffer from to sure. such a great extent. Like I think there is some hope for the future, and maybe that also could extend careers in a safe way. Uh, the UFC, I think, to their credit, is doing a lot of sports medicine stuff for their athletes at the UFC Performance Institute in Las Vegas, which is kind of like an all-purpose gym, really, that they opened uh, that does nutrition and like health science, brain monitoring. You can go there and train. You can kind of, it's kind of like a one stop sports medicine shop for a lot of these people. 
and like they're learning some interesting things there and like trying to take care of people's bodies in a different way. And like, honestly, Coulter, like when I talk to MMA fighters of today, they are a lot more cognizant and a lot more uh, aware of their brain health than I think any other generation of athlete in sports like that have ever been. And I think it has changed training in a lot of ways and has changed how they handle head injuries. I don't know if like it will change their fortunes ultimately down the road, but like it's the like attitudes have definitely changed a lot in that sport about safe ways to train and safe ways to take care of your body and safe ways to have a longer career. It's so fascinating because you mentioned when we were talking about Conor McGregor and his rehab, this upcoming rehab from this injury he suffered on Saturday night, uh, compound fracture in the lower part of his leg. You said he's only 32. I just thought that was an interesting way of phrasing it because it is true. It, our definition of what remains within your athletic prime, 32 used to be the beginning, if not the center part of the end. And now it's sort of the the last uh, plateau of the prime. And so I think that it's just interesting the way uh, the needle has moved across the board. But I, I do think that you know, we talk about legacy all the time, greatness, all that sort of thing. We're going to have to redefine certain things uh, in, in terms of like statistical analysis of quarterbacks, for example. Like There's just no doubt to me, unless there's a giant catastrophe, that Patrick Mahomes is going to play for 20 years. So then, therefore, he's going to blow the records out of the record book, but there's just a, there's some adjusting I think that needs to be done there when we're uh, when we're evaluating these things uh, across the board. But I also find it fascinating though that sort of that pioneering generation of truly taking care of themselves, not they're they're not on the way out yet, but there's a little bit of a, a dent in their armor, so to speak, for the first time. Like who would have ever thought we'd have. Rafael Nadal losing before the finals of the French Open. Roger Federer losing early in Wimbledon. LeBron James out in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Serena Williams has not played in a Grand Slam final for uh, a number of of turns. Tiger Woods, uh, will his career ever make a resurgence? It's just, I find it fascinating and also sort of sad, sort of telling. It's an analysis of of your life as a sports fan too, right? Because then you start to feel your own mortality. (laughs) You never thought, I never thought that it's kind of just penciled in. Who's playing in, oh, the U.S. Open or the Wimbledon? I'll just watch when the semifinals roll around when Federer plays Nadal like they do every year. It's just amazing when it sort of uh, goes off the beaten path like that. It always makes me feel uh, my age whenever I turn on a, a a sport and there's a professional athlete out there and people are talking about what a veteran he is or how she old is they or how long they've been in the game. Right. And I'm like, I remember when this person was in college. Like, <laughs> oh, that's right. probably a bad sign for me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is a fascinating phenomenon. It, it does sort of tie you to these people directly, especially when they are uh, of similar age and, and similar peer groups. It's Nuanas now. Chad Dundas joining me, Coulter Nuanas. Shohei Otani and his big upcoming All-Star Weekend, even though it's not on the weekend, a week, I should say. Uh, Shakira Richardson and her failed marijuana test. And some talks about name, image, and likeness. All that to close out your Monday here on Nuanas Now. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. 
Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Radio Missoula. Once upon a time, Big Sky High School. This was one of my favorite songs to play in the marching band, jazz band, whatever you want to call it. Shout out Leon Slater and the great band program over at Missoula Big Sky. Great influence on my life. Love the Mighty Mighty Boston's, one of the great bands, especially when you like ska music or you like playing some jazz riffs. Welcome back. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Chad Dundas joining me, Coulter Nuana is here in studio. And Chad, we were we were just talking about a variety of different things off the air. But first and foremost, I want to ask you about Shohei Otani from the uh, Los Angeles Angels. To me, uh, well, so I've been on this sort of common theme rant of missed marketing opportunities across sports. Uh, as we talked about throughout the show, the sort of central theme of this show is Conor McGregor. And why is Conor McGregor so famous? He's done it by being abrasive, very... Uh, He's not particularly well-liked. In fact, in a lot of circles, he's very well-hated. Yet, he remains the highest-paid athlete in the world. Uh, Must-see TV for any combat sporting fan or otherwise. The breakouts are of the UFC. But I feel like there's a lot of different uh, people that have brand-name appeal, so to speak, that... Uh, it's not based in merit. It's not based in accomplishment. But then there's others... Like Allison Felix, how does Allison Felix not have all the commercials? I mean, she's going to her third Olympics. She has every element you ever want. Regardless, I digress. Uh, but baseball, I think, is just atrocious at marketing their guys. There's so many guys that should be household names all the time, and they're just not. Shotei Otani's really taken Major League Baseball by storm this uh, during the All-Star Gate. He will participate in the Home Run Derby first, and he'll also be a starting pitcher who then hits leadoff uh, in the All-Star Game. What a story. It's getting some traction. It's not getting enough traction. So if there isn't a story that could be the breakout story that baseball needs, if this not it, I'm just not really sure what is. Yeah, it feels like Otani should kind of be a bigger deal, right? Like totally in the in terms of mainstream sports coverage. And I think you bring up a great point that it feels like baseball needs a guy. Like baseball yes. needs uh, a face, needs a, a person that, that everyone can kind of rally behind. And obviously, we've tried a bunch of different athletes over the years, people that seemed like they would be the guy for baseball, and it's you know succeeded or or failed in a little bit of a hit and miss kind of way but like the stuff that Otani is doing that we haven't seen done since Babe Ruth like quite literally is amazing being as dominant of a pitcher and also as dominant of a hitter uh I saw our mutual friend Ryan Divish the other day tweet the home run that Otani hit in Seattle like that just, 580 like, feet or something uh, like that may not have come down yet I have no <laughs> idea uh but, like, I hope he has a big weekend this week, man. Like, I really do. I feel like the All-Star game is a big opportunity for him, kind of. Maybe maybe some people will be watching that aren't otherwise normally baseball fans. And, like, 
maybe that baseball can use that to bring some attention back to it because, uh, you know, he's, he seems like a guy who could be very popular and it just doesn't seem like they're doing quite enough to get his face out there. I totally agree. It's my biggest pet peeve. I don't know why they're not. I mean, if I was Major League Baseball, I'm trying to shove every single one of these elite young guys. Ronald Acuna, by the way, who uh, suffered, a, suffered a bad injury last week, uh, tore his ACL. He's out for the rest of the year. Bummer for the Atlanta Braves. But Fernando Tatis Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I know those guys are getting a little traction, but they're not getting the traction that they should. And I don't know what baseball does. I, part of it is this, the postseason. These guys got to make the postseason and perform in the postseason because that's where you're going to gain your legacy. The notion of, you know, the Ernie Bankses of the world, like he hit 550 home runs for the laughable losing Chicago Cubs, but we still love him. That's not how it works in modern day society anymore. So, uh, you know, you got to you gotta perform at the highest level, but the problem is that Mike Trout and the Angels, and uh, to at this point at least, Otani, they've never been on the stage of the postseason. And even if they are, it's not like the NBA where Chris Paul has the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter. Giannis Antetokounmpo has the ball in their hands. Otani might be sitting on the bench when it's a big-time deal. But I hope that this exhibition spectacle is something that can really increase and improve his performance. We just talked a little bit about streaming and TV and the cutting the cord and all that. So I'm going to ask you this question. What, In your opinion, what kind of effect has that sort of cord cutting and moving away from traditional television and frankly like moving away from channel surfing. Yes. What kind of effect do you think that that has had on not only professional sports but like also the ability to build these new stars because I was just talking with another friend the other day about how much less sports I watch uh-huh. basically because I'm not flipping through the channels. Like I right. would watch so much sports just because I would be clicking around and I would see oh ba- a baseball game, oh a basketball game, oh a boxing match, whatever, a football <laughs> game and I would watch it. And, like, now that people aren't doing that so much, now that it's so much is streaming and, like, you know, Sports Center is not the cultural phenomenon that it was when you and I, I think, were younger, to what extent do you think that impacts not only, like, the popularity of these various games, but also their ability to, like, build new stars like the Shohei Otani? Man, there's so much here because I actually think this is a fascinating topic. But I think that, first and foremost, I think that you and I, both former newspaper men, the... uh, the, the, the cost-cutting that has affected the size of sports sections has been so detrimental to baseball because one of the great rituals, no matter what, even if you might only, I might only watch five Cleveland Indians games all year long, but if I know that it, the box score is in the paper, I'll go see what's going on with the Indians. You'll go see what's going on with the Mariners. That doesn't exist anymore. You can find it online, but it's not the same deal. Every time I ever walked by a Missoulian, I would pick it up and look at what was on the front page and then turn, oh, Indians, okay, 5-4 to four last night against the White Sox. Oh, Francisco Lindor went 2-3, for three, cool. I also think that baseball has lost some momentum from the fantasy baseball side of things. That used to be the thing that kept so many people engaged. It still is, but people are so widespread now with their attention spans. And then I also think that there's just so much in terms that lacks in baseball in terms of the instantaneous nature that we want. It doesn't translate particularly well to Twitter. You could watch a game for an hour plus without anything spectacular happening. You will not watch an NBA game for more than 10 minutes without something that you're like, whoa. That's how ridiculous the product is, but it also translates so much to HGTV. But I do, I think that's an adequate argument. I think that the other thing that baseball has such a flaw in is that baseball and baseball players 
the 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 cockiness that they operate with the abrasive brash attitudes that so many of the greatest players of all time have had or even just so many of this all-star level players guys are so scared to be like that now half of the great baseball players of the 80s and 90s were resoundingly hated and they loved it <laughs> albert bell didn't care that everybody was booing him no barry bonds did not care that no one liked him didn't care so many roberto Alomar, there were so many guys that were great villains and i think that's lost in baseball too so uh, but also i think more than anything it's what they feed you it's what whatever the machine feeds you is going to be what you like is baseball tonight even a thing anymore is that even a show yeah it, it, it's it, you you're tuning into inside the NBA all the time. You're never there's I don't even know if baseball tonight is a show. So I think that what the 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 big uh, the big decision makers feed you it also is is very impactful. We only have a couple minutes and we've have not gotten to so many of the things I wanted to get to. But great discussion today. If you missed anything in the show, Chad Dundas kind enough to spend the last hour and a half here uh, with us. We trapped him. His tires are flat, so uh, he had to stay for the whole second half of the show. But uh, great conversations about Conor McGregor, his fame, fighting sports, all those uh, things, and also uh, some NBA playoff stuff with my brother, Brooks Nuana, is off the top as well. You can find all that stuff on the podcast. Uh, just type N-U-A-N-E-Z. That'll take you there on all your podcasting platforms. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications, the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Sportsbet Montana. Quickly, Chad, we only have about a minute and a half left. But Sha'Carri Richardson tested positive for marijuana leading into the Olympics. She was then uh, suspended for 30 days for the 100 meters, unable to participate, but also left off the Olympic team because she was not added to the sprint relay team. You were mentioning that this maybe has some crossover with both boxing and MMA. So what is the crossover just in terms of the drug testing element of this? It's interesting because uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, which obviously is one of the biggest the biggest athletic commission in the nation, we'll just say, just because Las Vegas is there. Uh, they just announced a week or two ago that they're going to stop penalizing athletes for testing positive for marijuana. Uh, Interesting. Which is pretty huge because we were talking earlier about right. Nate Diaz. His brother, Nick, I think was uh, suspended for two years by the Nevada State Athletic Commission because of marijuana. And like you basically had boxers and MMA fighters popping positive for marijuana all the time. Uh and sometimes I think for good reason because like they use it to sort of they use it in lieu sometimes of, of prescription painkillers sure. which not that we want to get into a big political discussion but I think you can make the argument probably may, using marijuana might be healthier for you than being a, doing all this painkiller stuff so it was a pretty big deal in the combat sports world that the Nevada State Athletic Commission said they're not going to penalize people anymore for testing positive for marijuana and the UFC frankly has been ahead of the curve in that it's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 